This episode of the Belong Podcast is brought to you by Double Hill Cidery, award-winning craft cider made exclusively from wild apples on Prince Edward Island. It's super fresh and crisp and actually tastes like apples. Check out DoubleHillCidery.com. For some people, knowing what they want to be in life hits them at an early age, others much later, or maybe never. For Benton Hartley, being an actor and on the stage happened for him at birth, and he's been out front ever since. Here is my chat with Benton. Benton Hartley, welcome to the Belong Podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, and you are where? I am currently in the east end of Toronto. Um, just kind of waiting things out. <laughs> yes, just like the rest of the world. Exactly. And what's it like there? Like, is that 7 p.m.? Does everybody in your neighborhood do the pots and pans thing? Or? Um, not that I've noticed. Um, we're not that close to a hospital here. So I think I, I've seen as I'm walking around, I'm seeing flyers posted to telephone poles being like, we should all do this and everything. But uh yeah. i haven't actually done it yet so i haven't heard it but uh yeah. i might stick my I head out tonight and see <laughs> yeah i haven't done it either but people in downtown charlottetown do do it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and then at the same time too you can hear cats meowing right so. <laughs> right <laughs> once this is all over all the cats are gonna be like why is oh, it so quiet I all of a sudden <laughs> oh they they're hating this big time i'm like sure all these oh it's terrible. It's like everyone's home all the time, bugging them. Yep. They don't have the freedom. Yeah, I live with two cats and but, they are not having a good time. <laughs> no. And then, of course, the dogs are the opposite. They love. Exactly. This. Totally. So they're all going to have mental health issues whenever people go back to work. <laughs> They'll be like doggies. Your mom will, will be in business. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Canine therapist. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom being a therapist. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, both of my parents are, in fact, um, which kind of plays into my life story in an in inevitable way, I would say. <laughs> oh, well, since you've completely naturally segued into that wonderful <laughs> topic, why don't you tell us what that's like to be brought up by two psychologists? Well, I've got to say that they did me one heck of a favor. Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, every actor is in search of their, you know, solo show Edinburgh Fringe Festival script. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know it. And I was yeah. more or less, uh, gifted it at birth, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I tease them pretty liberally about it, but I, I would say that, um, I mean, you know, you're, you only ever really know your life. So anything you live is quote unquote normal for you because you, you, you have nothing to compare it to. So when mm -hmm. people come up to me and they find out that both of my parents are psychologists and indeed that I am the only child of two psychologists, mm -hmm. um, they, uh, they come up and they're sort of like very, it's, it's like eggshells and they're sort of like, are you okay? Like <laughs> what, what was life like for you? And it's yeah. like, well, honestly, like it was fine. My parents are very good at keeping work at work. 
Um, mm-hmm. I would say the the most uh, the most out of uh, the norm thing that ever happened to me was every so often they would you know buy a new uh, testing kit and I would have to be their guinea pig so that they would know how to <laughs> administer it. But I, it wasn't oh like God. it wasn't like electrodes attached to my head or anything. No. It, was, it was my fa- it was my father sitting on the other side of the dining room table with colored blocks and telling me to make mine like his. And then uh, I guess that would tell him if I was a serial killer or not. Oh, well, that's, there's an advantage to kind of (laughs) identifying that early in life. Yeah, I haven't heard any results, so I can only assume that they came back negative. Uh, Okay, well, we won't get, go down that path right now. (laughs) Um, But I do know, what I do know about you, Benton, other than I do know who your parents are, is that you're involved in theater. And when I found that out, and which I knew before, you know, because before you know your parents told me those things it's because you have worked on PEI in theater mm-hmm. and I pay attention <laughs> and I'm always interested in finding out how people got into it because right. everyone has a really what I've discovered so far is that there's almost everyone I've ever met in theater found another like their own way of getting there yeah so I'm really curious about how you got there um it's a good question and it's it's interesting because to a certain degree I was always in it. So mm-hmm. like I was always one of those kids and my mom has, you know, those old school photo albums, probably six or seven of them just like chilling up in the attic at their house. And they're always of just me at like three years old, dressed up to the nines and just like yelling things at people and like calling that acting so like for me that was always part of my my childhood and my upbringing and and so you know i i was born in manitoba but uh moved to nova scotia fairly young i think i was three and a half when we moved to nova scotia and so then my parents very quickly ended up uh becoming summer cottagers on prince edward island uh Mm -hmm. and um being an only child uh living for the summer in a place where I didn't know anybody my own age, my parents very quickly became sort of my, my peer group in a way, I guess. Your, that, your that, audience. Yeah. That sounds kind of sad to admit on the air, yeah. but, but there we are. Um, it's okay. I think that might be common and maybe a bit of a legacy for only children. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, we would be staying at these cottages in Kings County, Prince Edward Island, you know, fairly removed from the civilization of Montague. And um, I, to to pass the time, I would just dictate stories to my mother to write down for me. And they would often take the form of scripts. So uh, I remember telling stories about Batman and Robin and getting my mother to write down scripts about that. Uh, my mom tells the story quite frequently of the first piece of socially conscious theater I ever wrote, um, which was uh, actually it was pro capitalism, which I'm a little ashamed of uh, <laughs> at this stage in my life. But um, I remember this was, of course, back in the era of Sunday shopping, and I didn't quite understand Sunday shopping. So it was a Sunday. I wanted to go into Montague to buy a toy of some description to pass the time. And my mom sat me down and sort of explained to me that, you know, on Sunday, that's the day for, you know, shopkeepers to take some time to themselves and rest up a little bit. 
And so I decided immediately there was a glint in my eye or something. And uh, I said, you know, Susan, take a letter. And uh, my mom got up the pen and paper. I didn't actually say that, but it was something to that effect. No, but that sounds funny. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and so we wrote the play, The Shopkeeper Never Sleeps. Uh, for real. For real, oh, which good. was just some good old wish fulfillment on my part about a store oh, that was always brilliant. open. Uh, so that was really the... F- that was really the first, uh, that was the first sort of, uh, theatrical experience that I can pinpoint. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you still have a copy of that? Oh, I guarantee you that Susan Hartley has it somewhere. Well, that upstairs. needs to be revived. I yeah. think that needs, yeah, that would make a great sketch. In fact. Yeah. I, I remember the fringe festival was doing one of those adults read what they wrote as kids yes, exactly, um, yeah. nights and mom had ended up finding my old Batman scripts. Uh, so I, I read a couple of those, but I, I don't know uh, necessarily about the shopkeeper never sleeps, which is, uh, you know, for the completionists sake of the Benton Hartley canon, I think is an absolute essential. I think so. Too. <laughs> um, we must find it. So, so, the, so a childhood of imagination and presentation and getting attention and showing off and writing and creating very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, it very much kind of uh, was consistent throughout elementary school as well. Like I, I, I've heard a lot of stories of people whose journeys began very similarly to mine, but sort of lost that spark in, in the public school system to some degree. Um, I think that's a common thing, in fact. Yeah, but but for Mm -hmm. me, it was always, you know, I was always like Christmas concerts were like the thing I looked forward to the most um, because that, you know, I I I got to um, I got to play Santa in grade two, so like I was like really checking all of the boxes for a young performer in those ages. Oh my God, getting a lead at that early age. I know, you know, and um, I, I was also very lucky. I, I, I think I would be remiss at this point if I didn't mention the teachers that I had at that point in my life too. Um, so like in elementary school, we had a, you know, for elementary school, our, our uh, quote unquote drama department, as much as an elementary school can have one of those, was pretty much as good as you could possibly ask it to be. Um my uh my teacher maureen bond um usually put on anne of green gables the musical um every so often and so when i was in grade six i ended up playing matthew in anne of green gables the musical um you had to get you had to die yeah i had white shoe polish all over my head um in terms of that kind of die uh but actually yeah. here's the story about that though and i felt really shortchanged by it because it was grade six students playing the roles i i don't know if they had a different version of the play from what's what goes on at the confed center every year but matthew does didn't die at the end oh that's that somebody botched that i know and like looking back right. on it now you know 20 four years later or tw- not 24 years later uh, how old am i 17 I years later 17 years later um <laughs> yeah looking back on it 17 years later i, I think like this is absolute sacrilege mm-hmm. you know no that that 
that was that was just an abomination of yeah what it should have been. And so at the end of the play, Matthew's just chilling there alive, and nobody says anything. Like I, he didn't have any lines. He was just like sitting in the chair, just like smiling That's and crazy. nodding and being like you go girl <laughs> all right so that's grade that's your grade six yeah or, and yeah, then grade six. junior high school was very much the same uh they didn't have much of a budget so we were sort of doing these like no-name kind of murder mystery plays but it was still a lot of fun um and and by that point you know you y- start getting a little self-conscious and so i was sort of wondering if maybe a, a life in the theater for a you know 13 14 year old boy was maybe not the best or coolest thing to be doing with my time um but then uh i was fortunate enough to go to a a a high school that was very um uh supportive of the arts like my my whole catchphrase about going to high school in new glasgow nova scotia was that the band and the choir were treated like the stereotypical football teams were in, in a lot of ways. Awesome. So yeah. yeah, we would, you know, we would roll into the music festivals every year and just sort of, it, it was, it was basically like the homecoming game music festival. Yeah. Right. So like we would, uh, everyone would be super excited and like, there wouldn't be pep rallies or anything, but, but people like the entire student body was definitely aware of what was going on with the sort of performing arts side of things. And there was uh, the, drama teacher there was a man by the name of Joel Pratt and he is someone that I consider very important in my development certainly um and this is really where the idea of sort of chosen family comes into effect for me big time um and I was offered the opportunity to audition for the musical the school musical when I was in grade 10 and I was sort Which of musical? it was Fiddler on the Roof believe it or not um, right on because yeah Mr. Pratt was big into um in order for the students to get the most out of this experience like we have to give them the best mm-hmm. that we can like the best we can offer so the three musicals that I did while I was in high school were Fiddler on the Roof Oliver and the Wizard of Oz so like great like legitimate like legitimate pieces of theater which which i'm super thankful for some of my favorite ones with my favorite music yeah absolutely fiddler on the roof is just such a good show and i mean wizard of oz is so iconic in so many ways Mm -hmm. um but yeah just the people that i met through there like there are still some of those people that i still talk to you know like yeah like 13 to like 10 to 13 years later, I'm still talking to. Um, and so that's really important. Um, and yeah, like we, we had like a 300 seat theater in my high school and usually the shows were sold out, which is just incredible, like full tech capabilities and everything. And it was, it wasn't like a fine arts high school, but it was, it was about as close as you could get without actually doing that sort of vocabulary to it. Uh, I am not as in tune with what is happening in high schools these days, but when my own children went to high school, band and the musicals were a big deal for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, if it, if it weren't for those opportunities for so many kids, you know, where would they be kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the arts tends to not necessarily get the same level of um, prioritizing and therefore funding mm-hmm. and when there's good positive stories about schools that really 
prioritize it and make it important, then then it's reflective in how how balanced and how well-rounded um, students can become. Well, yeah. And I mean, you hear stories of um, like my high school math teacher, in fact, told the story of how, you know, he was a basketball player when he was in high school and they were doing some play like the, the, the high school was doing some musical and they needed a bunch of burly sailors to come on for one scene. So they asked a handful of guys from the basketball team if they would come on and do it. And so he was one of the guys that went on and he said it was one of the best experiences of, of his entire high school career. And uh, the guy who played Tevye in our Fiddler on the Roof was a guy who had never acted before in his entire life. And I'm not sure he did any acting afterwards either, but it was just one of those things where it was the right time for him and he had a great time doing it. He was fantastic in the role. And I just think it's something yeah. that everybody should do at one point. I do too. I yeah. mean, I, it, you know, the, the amount of students who would end up launching or going into university for theater arts or launching a career in theater arts would be pretty small, but the point that isn't the point of offering it in mm-hmm, school. Mm-hmm. Right. It's to give as many people that experience. And that's why I think musicals and band and those kinds of programs are so important. Absolutely. It so many people and basketball players and people who can't sing and can't dance. And all of a sudden they've learned how to do something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, makes them makes them feel like you felt as being, you know, part of that chosen family. Yeah. And it's a wonderful thing. And then I think, you know, you graduate high school, the whole world's ahead of you. Um, you can go and do anything anywhere you want. Um, and so I, you know, had a few different universities I was looking at. Um, and it sort of came down between two of them, which was, of course, UPEI. And I was also interested in King's College in Halifax as well. Um And so I was sort of weighing the pros and cons of each. I was looking at English literature regardless in terms of a major. Um, And the the foundation year at King's is like world renowned and it is for a reason. Um, But there were a couple of things that really put UPEI on top for me. Uh, The first one being that they did in fact have a theater program. King's didn't have a theater program. Dal did. Um, And so King's is inside of Dal, of course. So that was an option, but... um, the UPEI theater department was small. Uh, I met with the professor of theater there and he's a great guy. Um, and also UPEI offered its students living in residence an unlimited meal plan. Oh, and that, and that, <laughs> and I honestly wish that there was something sexier that made me choose, uh, UPEI over King's college. But, uh, the truth of the matter is that, uh, and if you ask my parents, they will confirm that when we were having the discussion about where I should go to university, the deciding factor was the unlimited meal plan. Well, I don't know what, you know, when you say that doesn't sound very sexy, like I went to UPEI to play sports. Right. You know, that's not, that's not sexy. (laughs) You know, like going for a meal plan is that's unique. Sure. You know that? Yeah. That, that was a, very, very wise decision. Well, fair enough. And and yeah, I mean, had I known the stereotypical quality of dorm food, maybe that would have changed my opinion. But anyway, yeah, everything happens for a reason. I ended up going to UPEI. This was in the fall of 2009. Um, 
And when I got there, it became very apparent that this theater program was small enough that it was a theater program that had no physical theater space. That's right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> at, hall. Yeah. yeah. And at this point, yeah. I want to give a special shout out to probably the biggest mentor in my entire life, Dr. Greg Doran. Um, the, the, the one man show, as they say, yes, he is. um, yeah. and you know, Greg still to this day is a good friend of mine. Uh, we still talk on email all the time and he was, he was probably one of the most important people in my development as an artist, I would say over anyone else almost. Um, yeah. And, and so I, you know, I, I went to UPEI kind of just got through my first semester dealing with all of that, you know, monumental life changes that everybody goes through in their first year of university. And, you know, having been an only child that, you know, didn't really have many friends in my peer group, um, all of a sudden living amongst a bunch of, you know, quote unquote, free, you know, 18, 19 year olds, uh, it was quite the transition for me, and I, I would say that I didn't handle it very well. Um, I don't know that many do. I mean, that's when a lot of people discover alcohol for the yeah. first time um, and, you know, yeah. skipping classes and all that kind of stuff. But. Right. And and for me, it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the um, my experience. My experience was more, you know, intense homesickness. And, you know, maybe this is too early. Maybe I should take a year off and find myself a little bit more. Um, th these were sort of the conversations that I was having and lots of, you know, midnight calls to the folks to be like, did I make the right decision? You know, and, you know, when you're you're 18 years old and you graduate high school, everything's the end of the world. Right. So um, it was high drama even when I wasn't on stage, I guess you could say. Um, oh, yeah. And so I decided to, um, you know, literally take a flyer on the uh, UPEI uh, student theater company called what well, uh, Greg's theater company called Vagabond Productions were holding auditions for a show called The Path of True Love to be performed uh, around Valentine's Day that year. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I went in, it was a, it was a, it was a audition that you didn't have to prepare for. They call that a cold read for those out there that don't know. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so just like this interview. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I figured well, if I don't have to prepare anything, it'll be pretty low stakes. So that's fine. So I went and, you know, had the time of my life doing this audition really, he just had us reading little Monty Python sketches. Um, there wasn't even any script at that point. And so, yeah, I went in, did some Monty Python sketches, was feeling okay about it. Wasn't really sure. It was my, it was my first quote unquote real theater audition I'd ever done. Um, especially for something that wasn't a musical either. So uh, I wasn't re really sure how to feel. And then, you know, I was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and, you know, talking to my folks and like going home every weekend and all this sort of stuff. And then one day I just, I got an email from Greg offering me a role in the show. And, um, 
yeah. And, and so I, I accepted the role and then that, that was before the Christmas break. I went home for Christmas. My mom drove me back to PEI from Nova Scotia, you know, in early January after the holidays were over. Um, we were staying in a hotel that night and I just remember being like, I don't think I can go back for another, of re- another full semester. Like this is going to be a nightmare. I don't think I can do this. And she said to me, and I'll never forget this. She said, I think you just need to go to your first rehearsal and see how you feel. And then if it's not working, it's not working. You can drop out, you can come home and that'll be fine. Right. And I think she knew what she was doing. <laughs> hello psychologist right and yeah. yeah um so i went to my first rehearsal and immediately fell in love with yeah she knew what she was yeah, doing <laughs> like immediately felt at home like immediately yeah um cool. because That's all awesome. of a sudden it wasn't just a bunch of faceless people i didn't know in a whole bunch of different classes there were these five other people whose names and faces i knew and who we had shared laughs and we had shared experiences together. So all of a sudden, I didn't feel like such an intruder uh, anymore. Um, so yeah, so those other five people in that cast became this family for me. And that was the moment where I kind of felt like, okay, like this this university is something that I can do and it's something that I can accomplish and to put, you know, maybe to find a point on it. I belong here. Yeah. Right. No, I, I love that. I love that because anyone who's ever been involved in theater, regardless of whether it's, you know, at a professional level or not, um, inevitably that cast and crew come together and there is a very strong sense of family, you know, however you want to define that it's, it's almost cliche, right? Yeah. Um, You know, when you, when you, when people sign your programs at the end of a production, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're my best friend, you're my sister, you're my brother, you know, like it's forever stuff. And um, maybe it has something to do with the fact that, you know, being on stage is so completely vulnerable and uh, you do have to, kind of open up if you're going to really uh, embrace what you're doing. And that, that kind of adds other elements to relationships when you're working together like that. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think vulnerability is a big part of it. And, and I would also think too, um, having since gone to theater school, I now like feel as though I have the vocabulary to kind of verbalize what I, what I've always been feeling, but there's this idea in clowning of complicity between uh performer and audience but i think there's also when when it's more than just one person on stage there's a complicity between actors as well so you're sort of on a team and you have this shared secret and the secret is like the work you've done to prepare uh for the production so so you have this bond this like this shared goal of keeping the ball in the air with 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 each other and and it's it's a little trite maybe to say that like it's like a war metaphor but like you are in the trenches together and you know now that i'm you know a a quote-unquote professional actor it's like yeah these contracts end you know you, you have five weeks or eight weeks together and then you go your separate ways but just because you're not 
sharing that experience anymore doesn't mean that it devalues it or that it negates it. And, it, and so all of a sudden I have all of these family members scattered all over the country you know so like one of the guys that was in this path of true love show my first year at UPEI one of my best friends in the whole world lives in Calgary now but like you know I just uh his birthday is the day after mine and our birthdays were a couple of weeks ago and you know I hadn't heard from him in a couple of months but still we had our birthday phone call and it's one of you know it's one of these things where it's like I have relationships with people like that across the country and and for me again like growing up as a you know i wouldn't say lonely but definitely lonesome only child it was it, it it's a very privileged place to be in now awesome. i would say yeah. yeah yeah thank goodness for your kind of natural courage as a child and then as you describe later in school not losing that spark because well, that really helps kind of keep you in touch with it you know some people lose it and then regain it yeah. later in life but it sounds like you know you you had a a real purpose to be involved in some way in theater well and that's it's like people ask me like when did I know I wanted to become an actor like that was basically your first question right mm -hmm. and, it, and my answer has always been I never had an alternative right you know yeah and so like I remember in grade tw uh, grade uh, 12, we, we had the option to do our grade 12 math class in grade 11, because then we would go on to like pre-cal and calculus. Um, and so I did advanced math 12 in grade 11, because I knew I didn't want to do any more math in grade 12. But I had one of my teachers come up to me and be like, hey, like, are you sure about this? Like, you're going to limit yourself in the future. And I was kind of like, well, I already know what I'm doing. So like, I, I don't want to waste any time with, with something I'm not going to enjoy, you know? So even back, even as far back as then, it was like pretty clear what path I was That's on. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Right on. With, with a couple of uh, detours along the way. Like when I was eight, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And when yeah. I was three, I wanted to be a front end loader. Yes. Not, that not, is a, a, not a person that drove uh, on an actual, the actual. No, no, just the truck. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> so now you're in Toronto. You're, you're definitely moving around. And have you in that big city, um, which I love, by the way, I love. I love Toronto Canada. too. It gets a bad rep. I don't know why. I love people there are super friendly. Yeah. It's, there's lots of really awesome, strong communities. And no, I love it there. But I'm wondering um, if you found a version of that belonging or family since you've moved there. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, the like, because I went to theater. So I went to theater school at George Brown College in Toronto, right in the heart of the distillery district, which um, if you've ever been in Toronto around the holidays, it's where the uh, Toronto Christmas market is held every year. So it gets a little bit Disneylandy around Christmas, but uh, otherwise it's nice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, basically um, I went to theater school at George Brown and the current Canadian theater school model is sort of a crucible of pressure and of time commitment and of, you know, quote unquote, suffering for your art. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go through that experience in, in a class of 22. 
which is, I would say, probably about an average size class for George Brown. Um, but yeah, we had a we had a heck of a of a three year period. You know, the the Me Too movement happened while I was at theater school, so there was a lot of very difficult philosophical conversations happening almost daily. Um, while we were there, there was a pretty large general strike of community colleges while I was there. Um, so we had a little bit of an interrupted educational flow. Um, and so in those scenarios, it can either make or break a group of people's dynamic. And, uh, we were super lucky to have a a group that, um, we were sort of galvanized by that experience and we were able to kind of become even closer together. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're taping this interview on a Tuesday and a couple of days ago on a Sunday, my class, um, to celebrate the year since we've graduated theater school, we all got together on zoom as so many of us are, and Mm -hmm. we had a trivia night. So these are still people that I would consider my, some of my best friends in the whole world. And, Oh, that's great. Yeah. And and And, I moved. And when all of this, when when all of this physical distancing is over, we'll, are most of those people in Toronto that you would normally hang out with them physically? Like, well, here's the thing. Uh, you actually just read my mind. I, I, <laughs> I was getting, so I, I spent my first eight months um, out of theater school back in PEI. I was doing a contract in Victoria and yeah. Um, yeah. I moved back in January and I, you know, got a sublet that turned into a permanent room in this place mm-hmm. in the East end. And I was like, you know, asking my friends where their addresses were to kind of just like look up where everybody lived. And a bunch of my friends are in a house together and it turns out that they live like a 10 minute walk away. Oh, wow. Which in Toronto is like, you know, that's neighbors, you know, throw a dart at a dartboard and you can get further, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so basically as I was talking to more and more friends, I realized that we're all sort of in this, you know, you know, however many block radius of each other. Um, so yeah, every, everyone's super close by. Um, it's 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 been really lovely. I mean, obviously, right now things are a little bit different, but uh, once everything, yeah, like when, like you say, once everything gets back to normal, uh, it's just a matter of you know walking down the street, uh, a few a few bus stops, and there they are. There you go, frisbee in the park, and everything. Absolutely, that's it. Yeah, right on. Well, Benton, listen, it's been like a really great uh, last thirty minutes or so chatting with you yeah. and kind of getting a sense of your of your story of how you got into theater and acting and uh sounds like you really found a found a place where you truly belong yeah i gotta say i'm super thankful for uh well first of all for theater's place in my life and what it's given me and what i've been trying to give back to it but i've also i'm also just super thankful for the opportunity to tell a story that i don't tell very often so yeah thanks for that well you know what you just read my mind because I always ask my guests at the at the end of the interview who they'd like to thank. So I'm going to take that as you thanking me. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unequivocally. No, no. Yeah. No. I mean, you you've you've thanked um, your professor Greg yeah. uh, Doran, and you know, obviously your parents and whatnot. And um, I I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. I've only uh, ever learned about you through you know, your parents talking about you or knowing that you've been in PEI working and I hope someday to physically meet you and shake your hand. And Absolutely. All yeah. that. I, I, I got to say that I think once all this is over, I, I I'm going to need some salty sea air. So I, uh, I think I'll be back sooner than later. Well, so. well, salty sea air is where 
you come to PEI for that exactly. and you come for, for salty people too, because we're, <laughs> we're, we're pretty salty, True enough. but yeah, looking forward to it, Benton yeah, and listen, thanks. you stay safe and, uh, um, you know, skip the dishes all the time and all that business. And, um, you too. we I look forward to meeting you someday. Yeah. Cool. All the best. Okay. Take care. Thank you to Benton Hartley for reminding us how important it is to keep that spark alive. Great chat with a great guy. Thank you for listening. I'm Cynthia King, and I hope you belong right here with us next week.